0: Hello! You are welcome to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel for yet another powerful, sobering, and inspiring word from God. Grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick Kaluluma from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed.
1: Material chapter number four. And we'll be reading something very interesting. One of the very first things that Jesus said, we'll be reading from verse 17. So, Matthew chapter number four and verse 17. And I would like the Amplified. And it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, crying out. So at this point, he wasn't teaching, right? He was preaching. And preaching is a bit different because with preaching, you're proclaiming. And so Jesus began to preach, crying out. Repent. And here is the meaning of repentance. Change your mind for the better. Heartily amend your ways with abhorrence of your past sins. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we have the Bible here, Jesus is saying, Repent. Now it says, Change your mind for the better and heartily amend your ways. And then there was a reason for this repentance. The reason was that there was a kingdom that was coming. Now I want you to understand that when it comes to repentance, it's different from asking for forgiveness. And many of us know asking for forgiveness being remorseful and stuff like that. That's just a part of it. But then um, repentance is different in the sense that it comes with a change of mindset. Okay? We're heading somewhere. My topic is not repent. And you can see this when you look at Romans 12 and verse 2. The Bible says... And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The perfect will of God comes with a renewal of mind. That's how it comes. There must be a change in mindset. And I'm saying this because, do you know that you can attempt to fulfill a divine calling with a wrong mindset? Let me give you an example. How many of you remember Moses in the Bible? How many of you remember that uh, Moses, God had an assignment for him? It may not have been revealed to him yet, but God had an assignment for him. And before this assignment came into play, how many of you have observed that there was a time he saw an Egyptian uh, oppressing an Israelite? And have you noticed that it woke up? The assignment that they woke up. He just couldn't stand the thought of the Egyptian oppressing the Israelites. And then when the assignment woke up, he killed the Egyptian. Then went on the run. Went on the run and it seems the guy loved being a hero. So he rescued a certain lady who was a shepherdess from being intimidated. Which is generally what I think men should do if you see any lady being intimidated. Praise God. And for him, that's how he found his wife. For those who are searching. (laughs) (laughs) So if you are searching for a wife, I've told you what to do. So anyways, (laughs) so he found his wife and he began to, he became a shepherd. He took over her job. Got her fired. And when he started doing her job, one time he has an encounter with God. And God sent him to the exact place he was running away from to do the exact thing he was from doing, except this time the divine way. And this time he didn't just do away with one. He killed an entire army. What am I trying to say? There is a renewal of mind that needs to take place where we align ourselves to God, and when that happens, purpose will be manifested. Praise God. Today we are talking about, we're still talking about the kingdom, but I want us to emphasize an aspect of the kingdom that we must know. Jesus introduces us to the kingdom, I was okay. Jesus introduces us to the kingdom, not as subjects, not as citizens. That's not the primary introduction into the kingdom. The first introduction that we get into the kingdom is as children. And I can assure you, that's a revelation that everybody needs, understanding the aspect of being a child of God. We may all say it, we may all sing about it, but I can tell you, it, it has to dawn on you, it has to become a reality. it has to dawn on you. and as we continue today you 'll be able to see praise God Hallelujah. so let 's look at today 's passage of scripture as we try and understand the aspect of the kingdom and being children and we 're going to look at Luke chapter number 15 Luke 15. It's one of the parables that Jesus tells. Uh, In this portion of scripture, are we there in Luke 15? I think Luke, Luke 15 is when, you know, the tax collectors and all those began to draw near to Jesus. And when that happened, Jesus told the lost sheep, the lost coin. But the one that I think is most intriguing is the parable of the lost son. I'm saying this because it's one thing to lose a sheep. It's another thing to lose a coin. It's another thing to lose a son. And so Jesus begins to identify humanity with this portion of scripture. And I want us to see quite a few key things from it. So can we begin by just reading through? Let's start from verse 11. Then I'll tell you a few keys from each. So a certain man had two sons. ah and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that falls to me. So he divided them to his livelihood. Now, if, if, if you're not aware of how it used to work in these days, when a father had a portion of land, if he had two children, he would divide it into three. Then the older one would get a double portion. That's why, why Elisha asked for a double portion. You know, in short, he was saying he wanted the first born right. Then the other one would get a portion. So definitely a son knew that they had a portion in their father's business. That's the way it was. And it's a scriptural thing, something we need to learn to do. Because the Bible says that a good father leaves an inheritance for his children and his children's children. So may the Lord bless you so much that your great, 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 great grandchildren have a portion. Praise God. Not everyone has to start from zero. Not everyone has to go from rags to riches. If everyone has to go from rags to riches, then are you doing your part? So just ensure that anybody else before you, after you, has a better foundation than whatever foundation you've had, whether good or not so good. And so the younger one comes to the father and says, give me the portion of the goods that falls to me. And the father didn't argue. He divided them to his livelihood. Let's go on. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country. And there wasted his possessions on prodigal living. Uh But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land. And he began to be in want. Uh Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. Swine means pigs. Some people may be wondering. The new generation may not know what swine is. I hope that's not a name you've been called before.
0: <laughs>
1: when been shouted at. If so, if so, kindly do not replicate it. <laughs> So a swine is a pig. So (laughs) he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. Uh And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. He was admiring the food that the pigs were eating. And then pigs, if you've kept pigs before. Yeah, that's why I just made it uh, a, a resolution in my life. That They're just saying animals I'll never keep. If I own them, I'll make sure I'm as far away from them as possible. <laughs> now, I don't want to be eating something I named. But then, I plan one day in life to stop eating sheep. And then I'll keep one. Okay? <laughs> Since I don't need it every day, anyways. <laughs> Otherwise, if you've eaten something you've named before, the Lord bless you. So... <laughs> So he would have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. Let's continue. But when he came to himself. Somebody says "When when he came to himself. You understand though that even the coming to himself was a lower revelation. He said how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare. And I perish with hunger. Next. I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, "Father, I have sinned against heaven and, and before you, uh-huh. and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants." Uh-huh. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran, and fell on his neck and kissed him. Let's continue. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Uh-huh. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Uh-huh. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. <laughs> let us eat and be merry. I'm like, Lord, I'll fulfill the scriptures. (laughs) He said, after you've eaten, you go like, now this scripture is fulfilled in your days. (laughs) So let's go on. For this my son was dead and is alive again. (laughs) Notice the description. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Okay. And of course the older son came and was complaining. It's like the guy didn't realize he had two portions if he wanted. But today we're not talking about the older son. The older son complained, and the father told him, saying, in paraphrase, everything I have is yours. In short, you can have a party anytime. Hey! Now, let's look at a few things about this portion of scripture. Firstly, the son decides, by the way, we're talking about the kingdom of God. Jesus taught the kingdom through various parables. So I thought it would be easier to teach aspects of the kingdom through parables. And explaining them. So, firstly, the father respected the free will of the son. I'm off. Okay, I'm on again. I hope all mics are off. And they should have been here. I don't know how they were all transported that time. So when I take a walk this side, one of you should just pretend I'm not senior and just go put them. I'll pretend I'm not senior. I'll be looking this side. So concerning... <laughs> so concerning the father, you observe that the first gift that he gave his son was free will. The son could actually make a decision not to be with him. And you observe that that's something that God gave to man from the onset, free will salvation will never be forced on anyone salvation will never be choked on anyone trust me if I could if I could force this thing on certain people I would like if we could do like an operation like at night just appear open up their brain remove garbage and put the right stuff I would no trust me I would But this thing will never be forced on anyone. The father actually gave the son the gift of free will. Somebody say we all have free will. will. And the moment he journeyed afar off, he was at that point not a son. He was at that point dead, according to the description of the father. And you notice that that shows the journey of humanity. Adam was a son of God. And then journeyed on into the flesh and passed it on to his generations. And so the first thing the father gave was free will. And that is why no one will ever be forced into the kingdom of God. Listen, you may have a prayerful mother, a prayerful father. What their prayers will do is that they'll create a platform for encounter for you. But you may have a prayer for husband, a prayerful wife, a prayerful child. Your salvation is personal. It's you who have to make a decision. I hope you're hearing me. Because there are some people here who maybe have not made that decision right now. Haven't you read when the Bible talks about rapture? It says two will be waking in a meal. One will go, the other one will remain. Now, that one may sound okay, but let me tell you the scary one. It says, two be lying on the bed. That shows you it's husband and wife because if you've got no husband and wife, none of them would have gone. It says, two be lying down on the bed. One will go, the other one will remain. Hey! hey. hey. You don't want that. No. We are holding on to the shoe. Ah, oh, <laughs> Ten pamozi. We vowed. You know, the vow has ended. I'm telling you, you don't want that. And you know, that's why we must preach to our families. Because you don't want a situation where when you're counting the number of siblings in heaven, there are some who are not being counted. And you observe what the Lord Jesus used to do. The Lord Jesus... For some reason, look at his disciples. They were like two sets of siblings or something like that. Praise God. So God loves it when families come to the Lord together. Now let's continue. So this gentleman had free will. And it's something that you must understand. You can reject the gospel. You can reject Jesus. You can actually reject this message. Look at John 1. And look at verse Let's start from verse 8. You can actually refuse him. Okay, verse 9. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Uh Uh-huh. Verse 10. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. Uh Uh-huh. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. You can refuse to receive him. You can hear all these messages. And when it's time for the call, you even hate that moment because your heart starts doing to do to do And then deep inside, you know it's you. But then you're like, no, it's not me. No, I'm okay. No, I'll be fine. No, I'll just go edit one or two things. I'll be fine, I'll be fine. And I'll be here saying, I'm waiting for you. And you can actually choose to reject Jesus. You can choose to reject this message. Praise God. We can also see this from John 3. I want you to see, we we read verse 16 a lot, right? Now, let's look up to 18. Verse 16 says, For God saw that he gave his only... That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Next verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. However, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Uh And this is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So there are people who've just decided, you know what, I love darkness. Like where they're exposed to the gospel. But then the gospel, sometimes, you know how Jesus said, you don't build a house without counting the cost. The gospel can cost you something. The gospel can cost you friendships. It can cost you certain invitations. It can cost you a social life. In the Bible, there are some people whom the gospel cost to them everything cost to them their lives, cost to them their future generations. Some people have no descendants right now because of this gospel. Jesus actually said, if your right eye causes you to to sin, pluck it out and throw it away. And then he says, it's better for you to lose. So sometimes you may have to lose things. He even say, talk to it nicely, and then calmly inject anesthesia and then slowly start removing it, remove it, mend it, remove it. No, he said, pluck it out. In short, the pain of losing that eye cannot equate to the glory of receiving the kingdom. So he gave free will. That's the first thing we see. The next thing we see, let's continue, is that this son wasted that gift of free will. He wasted it. And he wasted it on prodigal living. But I want our focus really to be the father, because you must understand in this kingdom that we're not just dealing with our king. We're not just dealing with his majesty, the Lord Jesus. Jesus, you you know why I use the word repent there? Because when we think of repent, many of us think of stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing that. But you see, Christianity is not a behavior change program, it's it's different. What what he's what trying to say is this align yourself to receive this kingdom that's coming. You have to align to a new pattern of thinking. And there are some of us who are struggling to embrace certain aspects of the kingdom because we've not changed our minds towards certain things. The Bible tells us to pray, you understand as we go on. The Bible tells us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. But so often we reflect to heaven what we're seeing on earth. So you'll find your concept of. Heavenly Father may not actually be a heavenly one, but an earthly one. Now, the trouble with that is this. Number one, what if someone has had a bad father? Number two, what if somebody has had a good father who's had bad moments? Number three, what if someone has had a very, very, very good father, but they just can't equate to where God is? I mean, what happens if somebody is in this place and they've, maybe they've seen somebody as, as important to them as their father, hurting the very people they love? They may be a struggle if they're not deliberate about it with embracing God the Father. That's why you find that sometimes in Africa, we seem to easily understand the fear of the Lord. Listen to African preachers. No, just listen to, hey, God. There's a way they talk about him. As in, if you want to get scared. <laughs> I'm telling you, sometimes, because you, sometimes you find, as a preacher, your idea of a father is a gentleman with a shambok, who you, oh, some people don't know what a shambok is. A whip. Yeah, a horse pipe. <laughs> A horse pipe with a cooking stick. Yeah. So that, that gentleman with a cooking stick or a horse pipe, who when he walks in the house, you all scamper like it, arise, dad, and let your children scatter. Like everyone scatters to their room. And you can't just go address him. You have to use your mother always. And even when you're greeting each other, it's shy. Sure. Now, if that's all you've been exposed to, you'll find when we're singing, mighty warrior, that's your jam. You'll be like, hey, mighty warrior. And worse off so when you see, that's where now we're gonna, we going how don't you guys notice it? Blessed, strong in battle! (laughs) Praise God. Then the struggle sometimes. (laughs) When you say, okay, now just love the Lord Jesus. (laughs) You have no idea what to say. Because you find someone has no idea how to relate with God the Father. By the way, if you see me using the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Bible tells us they are one. But my emphasis today is on the Father. But then you'll find somebody has no idea how to relate with the Father in a very, like, you know, like, you know what I'm talking about. You do know what I'm talking about. So you find someone can easily ask for provision, but then for them to go before God and say, God, my heart is feeling like this and like this. Comfort me. you are thinking, I'm wasting God's time right now. Fathers don't comfort, they provide. But is that really the perspective of the Heavenly Father? And then, like I said, others have had good fathers, but they just can never equate to where God the Father is. So they're, they're, they, they should be seen as a stepping stone to a higher level. And then Others haven't even had access to a father at all. And that stuff can damage your mindset. That's why, what does he say? Repent, meaning adjust. You can actually adjust mentally. So, don't look at God from the viewpoint of earth to heaven. Look at him from the viewpoint of heaven to earth. Otherwise, when we tell you to be praying, you'll be saying, Father, I love you. I love you so much. And then the angel carrying like the incense from the earth doesn't know which box to put it in, like warfare box, <laughs> the intimacy box, <books. laughs> because it's so fiery. <laughs> Every now and then, lift your hand and say, "Muyaya ya, <hums> Even slang your voice a bit, ya ya. So let's continue. Here's something that we see now about the father because now the focus is on the father. Number one. The father never stopped waiting. He never stopped waiting. So I've got a feeling because the Bible didn't tell us an angel spoke to him and said, go check. Well, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, go check. So I've got a feeling every now and then, maybe every day, maybe he even changed his sitting position because the father in those days was not supposed to be sitting there. He was supposed to be in the house, enthroned. But he never stopped going on top just to peep and say, maybe, maybe today I see somebody who looks alike with him, then he's not the one. And we are not even told how long it was. The Father never stopped waiting. How many of you can tell that for years, God has ambushed you? He's always looked for an opportunity. Never stopped waiting. Every now and then, I can dream some stranger in the road will stop you. You'll come to church like this, and then I'll say something. Never stopped searching. And you know one thing I've realized about God, the Father? His pursuit of us doesn't end when we become born again. I don't know if you are getting my point. Even after we are saved, there is a way he still draws us. There is a way he still watches over us. There is a way he still wants us to, to get closer, just to, to, be, to have a greater relationship. Now let's continue. The son comes to himself... And when he came to himself, he analyzed the situation from a person of view. And his analysis was that if his father was merciful enough, the father will at least allow him to be a servant. So he's on his way back and he's made up his mind. He knows he's not worth the father. He's not even worth being his son. He's believing if he can just be his servant. If he can just be like the angels. And then... The son is on his way back and the father sees him from a distance. And the man ran. Ran after the son. And I think the son was probably dirty. He was from chilling with pigs. (laughs) And you know what? Somebody may be listening to me right now and, and you think, hey, Poster would like some of these things you talk about, but you don't know where we've been. You don't know where we've tuned. Matter of fact, this weekend alone, I think is a little too much. And somebody may be thinking, maybe I need to sort myself out first. Others, it's not even that you didn't know. You may be like this, son, you even knew the way. I went off. But yet, the father didn't wait for him to like, clean himself up. Imagine a mother saying, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> like a diaper <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's too smelly. So he doesn't wait while the son is in the fields, Runs after him and doesn't pour a bucket of water. instead he hugs them. Hello, it's that hug. Have you ever seen those hugs? I I, I think I saw it once or twice in my life. Like some ladies I know who hadn't seen each other in a while. And then one was that side and the other one was that side and they shouted for each other before I knew they were on the floor. So anyways, (laughs) I won't mention who one of them is in this church so I will not mention any names. They know themselves. I was just amazed that day. Whereas us guys when we meet each other, and we haven't seen each other for years, We might actually meet each other by giving each other a half compliment. Like, ah. So sometimes you look handsome. (laughs) And move on with our lives, eh? (laughs) Or you just do this. Or you just continue like you haven't spoken in a while. Just continue. Just pick up from the last conversation. Now, the father runs after the son. I really want us to get a picture of this. And runs after him. Embraces him in that mess. And that's how, that we must understand that aspect of God. You know, if we understand the holiness of God without understanding the compassion of God, we'll avoid him. We'll avoid him. And here's something I must tell you. When, when you hear... Okay, I'll tell you to you like this. I was, I was actually, I've been dealing with, um, like, I'm, I'm really loving the virtual church because I'm getting to like start from scratch with a lot of new believers. So I remember I was dealing with one of them and just teaching a few things, teaching a few things, teaching a few things. And you know, when you, sometimes when you teach, these things come back to you as convictions. Do you know that there are times people think it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit when it's not? Let me explain. And we're still going further. If someone is in a position of thinking, like, perhaps they're reflecting on something that happened before, or something they've done, the moment that reflection leads them to a place of saying, you know what, I'm not worthy to be before God or anything. So I'll just give him his space and try to work out a few things. That's most likely the flesh. That's most likely the condemnation of the heart. Because the heart can condemn you. If it gets worse than that, it's the the devil. When it's the Holy Spirit, it always draws you closer. The conviction will always draw you closer. The Holy Spirit doesn't convict for you to remain. It doesn't convict for you to, to be downcasted and for you to feel low. The Holy Spirit convicts to draw you closer. That's just the way he works. And the way he convicts a non-believer and the way he convicts a believer are different. Yes, for believers, he convicts them of their righteousness. Um, it's, you're too good for this. Yeah, that's why when Paul writes to the church, he says, don't you know your body is a temple? In short, he's saying, you're of a way higher standard, you're reducing it. That's the way the Spirit of God convicts. So let's continue. So we see that the Father, and be given us a scripture just for the sake of context. Uh, Luke 15. And I hope you're remembering. So the son has told himself he's going back as a servant. But then how did the father receive him? The father runs after him, hugs him, and kisses that filthy neck or something like that. And he was filthy. We don't, know, we don't know the last time the guy had taken a bath. And the father kissed him. Imagine that. And so that's the kind of father we're dealing with. He's an embracing father. He's the one who can run after us. Somebody say glory to God. And then the next thing we see is that the father begins to do a few things with the son. And all these are symbolic. Number one, he gave him a new robe. Now, there is a very high chance that this young man was dressed in rags, Because if you study the culture of that day, the kind of job he was doing. He was probably dressed in rags. And when a person is dressed in rags, one of the things that they lose is dignity. They lose that sense of self-worth. And then the father gives him a robe. Now, let me show you what that robe symbolized. Isaiah 64 verse 6. Isaiah 64 verse 6. But we are all like an unclean thing. And all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We are all fed as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Isaiah is describing our lives before we came to Christ. And no matter how many good deeds you did, our righteousness was amounting to a place of filthy rags. That's why even in the scriptures, when Jesus gives the parable of the sinner, one who had done more and the other one who had done less, have you observed that the words he used were none had the ability to pay? Even if both were owing, no one had the ability to pay. And I want us to understand this. Our righteousness was like filthy rags. So what does the father do? He takes off the rags and gives us a robe. And what does that robe symbolize? Righteousness. And the righteousness that we've been given now. Why this scripture doesn't apply to a new creation? is because the righteousness we have now is not our righteousness. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, God made he who had no sin to become sin, so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. So, believers have been given a new robe. We've been given a royal robe. As a matter of fact, the most royal robe in this this kingdom. That's why even the angels can listen to us. Because we wear the same robe that the king wears. We have the same attire as the king. So that's what he does. He gives us his robe. That's the first thing he did. That symbolizes righteousness. The next thing he did was he put a ring on his hand. A ring on his hand. Now, in... That day, a ring on the hand was symbolic of wealth and it was symbolic of dignity. It was that bling for those who are, those who are wealthy and those who have dignity. And the rich and those in office commonly wore them. And so, if you gave someone a ring, it was a mark of favor or affection, or it was a mark of conferring an office. As a matter of fact, when you read Esther chapter 8, yes, the book of Esther is not just about makeup. When you read Esther chapter 8 and verse 2, I want you to see something. Are you in Esther 8 verse 2? The Bible says, so the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed Mordecai over the house of Haman. Next verse. And I would want you to read actually the whole chapter of Esther. realize that I may not have the time. But then if you continue reading, we are told that anything that is in the king's name and sealed with the king's ring, no one can reverse it you observe that for us believers, we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Look at Ephesians 4.30. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh Do we have it? By whom you were sealed for the the day of redemption. And so for us as believers, when we come to the Father, before we even got time to say anything, what does he do? Takes out the robe, gives us the robe of righteousness, and seals the deal with the Holy Ghost. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Let's continue. What else does he do? He puts sandals on his feet. In those days, servants never wore shoes. Now let's go to the verse. Back to Luke 15. Servants never wore shoes. Keep Keep that in your mind. Question, what did the son say he was returning as? A servant. Because he came to himself. What did the father decide to receive him as? A son. And the sign of that was to give him shoes. So say, look, no, 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 no. Because the guy says, I'm not worthy to be your son. Let me just be like one of the servants. And the father doesn't even respond to that. Rags out, rob in the seal of the ring, and then does what? Gives him shoes. Meaning, he's now a son. That's how we've entered the kingdom of God. We've not entered the kingdom of God as people who are trying to fight for sonship or people who are trying to become sons. We've entered the kingdom of God as children. And I can tell you something. That's something to be proud of. Next, he killed the fatted calf. What does that mean? We should be eating a lot. Okay. (laughs) Okay. But if I was to be very spiritual, I'd say, since the Bible says man shall not live by bread alone, but you have to add chicken. And, no, since the Bible says man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. So if I was to be very spiritual, I'd say probably that's symbolic of the fact that now we've got access to the richness of the word of God. But even as we are having access to the richness of the word of God, let's not forget that the Bible says that after you have eaten and are satisfied, then you shall bless the name of the Lord. Praise God. Now, why is it important for us to understand that? Because you must learn, ladies and gentlemen, that in this kingdom, we've entered as sons. We've entered as children of God. And that's not something to take lightly. A few verses. John 1. Remember, we read about those who rejected him, right? Let's look at verse 9. 10 again. Verse 10. Uh Uh-huh. And I want us to be a bit quick, please. In the beginning, hey, verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not know him. Verse 11. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Twelve. But as many as received him. Don't take these verses lightly. What did he do with them? He gave them the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. How many of you have ever walked into like maybe you go to this shopping mall or something like that and who knows maybe that day you don't have that much money and then you find this kid with the parent and they get like this door <laughs> those things are expensive and they've gotten this expensive dolly which is worth 1,600 kwacha. How many of you think you've got the right to tell the parent you are spending too much on the child? <laughs> Listen, why should you spend 1,600 on the child when I don't have money for a necessity? Rather, spend a hundred kwacha on the child and give me the 1,500 because, no, because I need it. I need it more than the child needs that toy. The child will break that toy by the time you reach home. Do you know why you can't say that? Because you don't have the right. And then, you know why the child can ask for that toy? Because they've got the right. So the Bible tells us, hey, as many as received him, to them he gave the right. That's where righteousness comes in. It's It's the right. We've got the right to become children of God. And then look at how our birth is described in the next verse. It says, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh. In short, this is a different birth from the one that you are born from your mother and father. But these are born of God. In short, if you have to check their DNA, it's God's DNA. Do we think about these things? It's God's DNA. Let's look at another verse. It's not something to take lightly. How many of you know that initially, when you read John 3.16, Jesus is called the only begotten. Jesus is called the only begotten. Are you aware that after the Gospels, that title changed? And it was Jesus' will for that title to change. You know why? Jesus says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces many others. It was, it, it was not good for man to be alone.
0: <laughs>
1: no, it was not good for for him to be alone, and so he decides, I'm going to die. And then I'll birth my bride, and that's the church. And the purpose will be reproducing. And what will happen? There will be reproduction. Adam will multiply. So. Jesus, being the only begotten son, decided as the only son of God to die. For what purpose? That he might acquire a new title. And we can see that title in Romans 8, verse 29. In case somebody thinks we're making this up. Romans 8, verse 29. For whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The one who was the only begotten sacrificed himself to become the firstborn. So now he has many brethren. Is there anyone here who's one of those brethren? And and, and notice, you can see that in Hebrews 2 and verse 11. Hebrews 2 verse 11. Praise God. And it says, for both he who sanctifies, that means to make holy, and those who are being sanctified, that's us, are all one. For which reason? He is not ashamed to call them brethren. God is not ashamed of you. Imagine that. Like Jesus can literally stand and he can declare you before God. You declare him before men, he declares you before God. So before men, you've declared him, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. And then before God is saying, that's my brother. And, you know, they, the angels are reading out names. They're like, Michael, yes, that's my brother. Natasha, yes, that's my brother. I'm using brother for all of you. Elijah, that's my brother. Katasha, that's my brother. All of us. That, that, that's not something to take lightly. That we can actually become children of God. And you can see that in another scripture. First John three. Eh, I enjoy teaching God's word. I can see that light coming in you. Have you noticed I keep making the same point fifteen times? You know what I'm doing to you? I'm doing what they did to you in primary school. Well, from grade one, I don't even from grade one to grade four, you can count the number of different things you learned. There are not many. It was really the same thing being overemphasized, so that you get it. Sometimes it has to be drilled in you. First John three verse one, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. So what manner of love is this? What kind of love is this? That you can come, die for those who are crucifying you and afterwards call them brother and sister. What manner of love is that? That God can call the ones who crucified his son, his children. What kind of love is that? And if you are to approach matters of the kingdom from that perspective as your foundation, there is a way you approach it. They are saying prayers you won't pray. No, no, no. no. If you're in this place and you've been believing God for a miracle in your health, you're not going to go and say, God, if it is your will. What do you mean if it is your will? He even compared himself to evil people. He said, if you who, know, who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Imagine, he asked them a question. He says, are, are you going to give your children a scorpion if they ask for bread? That would be a funny joke, but no. You're not going to do that. It will scare the life out of them. And that scorpion might bite them. But a fake one would be hilarious. You can get your low views on YouTube. And then if the views reach a million, you make some money. And then you buy back their affection. Okay, that's a joke. (laughs) Don't worry, I'm not planning to do that. (laughs) But what am I trying to say? Jesus wanted us to know God as father. He desired for that so much and if you did some research, you'd realize that all throughout the generations they couldn't even call God by the name Yahweh. As a matter of fact right now, if somebody is a proper Jewish person, they don't use that name. And then they ask him, teach us how to pray. And he decides to share his relationship. He didn't want to keep it to himself. He didn't say, when you, when you pray, say this, Jesus is father. No, no, no. He says, oh, you, you, I'm inviting you into this thing. I'm not ashamed of you. So from now on, when you pray, lift up your hands and say, our father. And the Holy Spirit, whom has been sent, wants you to have a relationship with God as father. You can see that in Romans 8. Look at Romans 8. And take a look at verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Next verse. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. I need to do an entire topic on this. So listen, if perhaps your picture or your life of a father has been a scary person, that's not the spirit you've received. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. To fear, what is it, what is God thinking of me now? What is this, 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 this? No. But you've received the spirit of adoption. By whom we cry out, what? Abba. Father. And Abba, we may not understand it here because we don't use that word. We just use it in songs and when we want to sound spiritual. I don't know if you're getting my point. Why are you guys not laughing as though you don't know what I'm talking about? About when we want to sound spiritual. When I was in Sunday school, there was a time they made us line up to pray, like each one to say a prayer point. So that day I was thinking, how can I look like the most spiritual person here? Because I used to be very competitive when I was younger. Uh, <laughs> I was very, very competitive back then. We praise the Lord for growth. <laughs> so I wanted to outdo the rest. So in my head I was replaying prayers I had heard in church. So, I was thinking, should I go for the, oh, Father? There was a person in church who used to pray, oh, Father, oh, Father. Should I go for the one for my dad? My dad used to pray, holy, holy, holy. (laughs)
0: I'm
1: not joking. (laughs) Or should I go for the killer one? But Father, we pray. (laughs) 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 Like if you mention that one, then you're the one. Anyways, I ended up messing up. I ended up saying, Father, I rebuke you. <laughs> I didn't know what the word rebuke meant, but it sounded like a really glorious word to tell the Lord. I just heard someone use the word rebuke. So, I to, I can imagine the laughter in heaven that day. So, anyways, <laughs> hey, we reverence his holy name. But then, the word Abba, in Aramic, it's actually like saying Papa, or if what uses Zambian translation would say, but you have received the Spirit of Adoption, by whom we cry out, Daddy. <laughs> I will say that again. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually the word there. And you know, when I was praying for the service, as we were sharing in the kingdom, I wanted us to come to realization. That we've actually come into this kingdom as children. We've been born into this kingdom. That's why it's called being born again. And we must learn to develop a father-child relationship with God. A father-child relationship with him. And in developing this relationship with him, we must be careful to repent of, in short, adjust our minds from anything earthly that might not paint the best picture of God the Father. That's what he wants from us. And so, whereas for many years people have tried to run after God, according to Luke 15, God ran after you. Praise God. And so, before I lead us all in prayer, are you guys enjoying learning about the kingdom, by the way? So, I'm a child of God. I'll lead us in some affirmations. Look at verse 2 of 1 John 3. Verse 2 of 1 John 3. And I want us to read it together. 1, 2, 3, read. In short, this is the starter pack. It gets better. The I don't want to quite a feeling, it's beyond that. The I don't know if somebody knows what I'm talking about. The the fellowship, the communion, common union of being able to lift your hands. And say, Father in heaven, it's me, your son. What could be better than that? And not sensing any form of rejection from God. Knowing that you're not of an inferior class. He's raised you to where he is. Knowing that he's blotted away all sins and transgressions. And knowing that you've got a high priest who intercedes before you. A high priest who declares you before God. Knowing that you've got a high priest who can even sympathize when you're weak. Knowing that when a child cries, when a child is running outside, they hit their leg. There are specific people they are crying for. And it's not necessarily a stranger knowing that god doesn't have to be a stranger in your life that is awesome and it's something I'm I want to grow in something I want to grow in I, I want to know him as my father better you know just sit down and have conversation with god like Yes, there's, 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 there's the place for, ah, but then there's that place for, yes, Father. What, what, what do you want for my destiny? How do you want me to approach this period of life? How do you want me to approach my 2021? Is, are there any thoughts you have that you'd want to share with me? And the opportunity to have that every day where you can come before him and give an account. God the past two months has been like this, 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 this. And I think from what I've read in your word, I could have done better like this and like this. How can I avoid this from happening? Why? Well, he can rebuke you and say, no, that's not the way I've raised you. I want us to get to that place of sensitivity. Praise God. Okay. Is there somebody here who's not given their life to the Lord. And if you've not given it to him, you know it. Who knows? Maybe you are like a gentleman. Maybe you are raised in the right way. But along the way, you come to the altar. But along the way, no, give me so let us come to him. But along the way, you may have even strayed from the path. Perhaps this message has been God running after you. I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to the Lord. I want you to say after me. Wow. A number of them are in tears. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. (laughs) I believe you came in the flesh. You died. You were buried. And you rose again. I give you my life. Amen. Keep your hands lifted. Now, for everybody else, um, as I minister to them, because we want to minister to them, uh, here's what I want you to do from your seats, because we won't have time after this. Uh, give me Ephesians chapter 3. And give me verse 16. And then the ministers can get ready to help me minister of the people. I, I feel we just need to take time to pray for them. Here's what I want you to see. Ephesians 3 and verse 16. It says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Next verse. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And you may be rooted and grounded in love. Next verse. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height of his love. God's love can become real to you. Like his love can become... You can be strengthened in this conviction of God as your father. And so that's what I want you to strengthen in prayer over the next few minutes. So you can you can you can start with an affirmation. You can say after me, say, Father, I'm so glad to be your child. Take it up from there. It's now you and God. You can be singing.
0: a service. I have been so blessed and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0777 930882 If you are unable to call you can email us on Zambia at gmail.com